toilet. Here we go. Yeah, I'm here. Chris. Hello. Are you ready for We Talk Games third annual Pac-Mans? Waka, 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 waka. Waka, waka, waka. Yeah, actually, I am. I'm really excited about Pac-Month. This is my brain trust right here, Pac-Month. And uh, each year it gets a little bit different from the last and a little bit more exciting. But... Before I get too excited and too over the top, let me <laughs> remind everybody that this is We Talk Games Arcade Weekly, an arcade review show brought to you each week free of charge from the fine folks over at WeTalkGames.com. I am your host, Kyle Von Kubik, and my co-host, you've already heard, it's Chris Nikobun. Yo! Hi. So Pack month. What are we doing? We're, we're talking... Packy type games. We're talking running. We're talking chasing. We're talking being chased, eating, eating dots, eating fruits, point multipliers, baddies evolving. Maybe not for every game, but for this game, definitely. We're talking Do Run Run, also known as Super Piro, 1984 by Universal, put out by Taito. Those two companies got together and created a game that, you know, Universal has a unique history. We've talked about it on the show where they're very good at taking an idea, they're taking a game, and instead of just cloning it or making some uh, shit bootleg of it, they actually bring in new ideas into a mechanic. We talked years, uh, yeah, years ago at this point about Ladybug. Ladybug is a game that is very much inspired by Pac-Man, but introduced new elements to it, so it became its own game. Another game Universal put out, which is the, I guess it's the predecessor to this game, Mr. Do, I believe was put out in 19... I'm going to go with 1982. I think that's correct. You are right on the money. Okay. I thought so. This game rings of Universal. Uh, Universal, as I was saying, is a company that takes an idea and builds upon it. So with Ladybug, they built upon the Pac-Man framework. With Mr. Do, they built upon the Dig Dug framework. Run, do, no, it's do, run, run. <laughs> like the song, like the song, do, run, run. The do yes. run, run. In fact, if you Google do, run, run, the song will probably come up first. So you, you might want to add Universal, Taito, or Arcade to the back of that. Super Piro, interesting, uh, being the Japanese variant title, is Mr. Do also known as Super Piro? I am not aware, but it wouldn't surprise me. Piero spelt like uh, Pierrot. Oh, it, Piero. Piero is uh, it's a famous clown. Right. It's like, it's like a... Um, hey, remember Looney Tunes <laughs> when Bugs Bunny would go blackface, but then other times he would dress up like a clown and sing in Italian operas? That was Piero. Or give it a little more finesse than I, I'm saying it. it it's Piero. Like Piero. Piero. It, it's French originally, so Piero, Piero Le Fou. There you if go. If you want the... 
full name, Piero the Fool. Also uh, was the name of a villain in Cowboy Bebop. Mm, uh, okay. I believe that was one of David Bowie's forms as well. Yes. May he rest in peace. Rest in peace, David Bowie. What does Do Run Run do that's different from games that it might have been inspired by? Well, let's get into the making mechanics. I have a couple games on my making mechanics. Obviously, it goes without saying, it's Pac Month. We're, we're going to start with Pac Man 1980. You're going to hear it a lot during Pac-Month. We're going to reference Pac-Man because, it, you know, it's the titular character in the month. But also, it is the foundation of this game. And it, if you were to distill this game down to its very beginning of a genome, I have to give it to Pac-Man. You're running, collecting dots, doing multipliers, being chased by baddies. This game definitely has inspirations from Pac-Man as well as Miss Pac-Man 1981 by Midway. But... The two games that I think Do Run Run is most inspired by is actually Kicks 1981 by Taito. That game, you would navigate a ship around the screen while drawing a line, and you would try to encapsulate enemies within those boxes. And once you filled up a metric of the screen with the objects that you built, which were either rectangles or squares, you would be cleared onto the next stage. Do Run Run has this mechanic as a part of its multiplier mechanic, where as you're walking around the screen, as Mr. Do, there's a line following you, and you can actually outline the stage, and any dots within that stage will turn into fruits. Each time you make a lap around those dots that have turned into a fruit, they turn into another fruit, and each fruit step or uh, increase increase the points. So you start with dots, they turn into cherries if you get them in this box. You, if you draw a, a box around them, they'll turn into cherries. If you do it again, they'll turn into apples. If you do it again, they'll turn into lemons. Each time they're worth more points. Um, as in the past, Mr. Do also has what I always called a yo-yo, but it's very clear in this game it's a bouncy ball that he can uh, fire at enemies. I thought it was a balloon, actually, since oh. it, it, when you fire one off, if you haven't, if it's been a little while, you kind of have to wait for a new one to inflate, and it looked like he was just blowing up a balloon while he's running, which I probably like a little strenuous, but that's, <laughs> well, that's the idea I got. Well, here's a pro player tip. While we're talking about the dots and the fruits and the multipliers in, in regard to those fruits, the dots will be the items that you need to collect to recharge your yo-yo bouncy ball balloon. The more dots you collect, the quicker it will recharge so you can fire it off again. Now, if you collect cherries instead of dots, it happens a little bit quicker. And if you collect apples instead of cherries, again, it happens quicker. It's a little pro player tip. I don't even know if you noticed that while I playing didn't, the game. I thought it was entirely time-based. No, it's actually done by collecting those items on the screen. The other game... So we're still in the making mechanics. I'm very excited yeah. about this game. I enjoyed this game. How about you, Chris? Oh, it was amazing. I loved it. It was in. I I think I texted you at like two o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the morning. That sounds about right. And I was like, Chris, this game is insane. I, I finally had a chance to sit down and play this game. I was playing it very late at night. I've been very busy, and I like jumping into our games that we discuss each week blind. I don't want to know anything about them. I just want to figure it out. Like, I'm in an arcade. I drop in a quarter. I drop in my one slug. What's going to happen? And the experience that assaulted me, I was, I was just taken back by it. I had to text you immediately about it because I was like, this is fun. Uh, this is extremely challenging. And as you would put it, many things were being pushed in <laughs> as I was playing the game. But this might sound weird. I was enjoying it. <laughs> 
Uh, Crystal Castles is the other game in my making uh, mechanics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because of the maze, quote-unquote, this is in the genre of a maze chase game, but there's no real maze to talk of. The, the field is very much open, which reminded me of Crystal Castles. Uh, Crystal Castles was a very open stage where you would climb up different tiers, and the perspective was kind of similar to this as well, where it's not as isometric as Crystal Castles. I would classify Crystal Castles as being like full-on isometric game. Do Run Run kind of dips its toe in the isometric perspective view. Would you agree with that? Yeah, if anything, the uh, quickest comparison I can think of is Legend of Zelda. It's that kind of top-down but not quite going on. Right. That's, that's right. the feel I got from it. So it's Legend- probably an example that most people can probably find some reference. We're talking about the top-down Zelda's, obviously, not that Ocarina nonsense either. Yeah, and then things get really wacky when uh, in Zelda, sidebar here, you are, are in the dungeon, and then it turns into a side-scroller. Not side-scroller, but like a side view, but you're still top-down. Yeah, that's right. Cl- when you go down the ladders and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know what you're talking about now. I, I thought you meant like the, the whole jumping in the woods, fighting it, things. Even as a six-year-old, I was like, the fuck is this? <laughs> it was just strange, because it was, uh, you know, you're playing the game, and it's top-down, and all of a sudden, your top-down guy is now moving around like Mario. Anyway, those are my two making mechanics. I think this game is most inspired by Kicks and Crystal Castles. Do you have any other games you thought of? Maybe Not really. Time? I was actually trying to remember where the whole uh, outlining thing started, and Kicks pretty much nailed it for me. That was the one that was escaping me. Yeah, I don't know if Kicks is the uh, first game to do it, but it definitely is the earliest that I could think of. As far as a plot for Do Run Run is concerned, um, collect, run, and bop, I guess. Is what I'm gonna go with. Yeah, There's, yeah. I also got some uh, shades of Dig Dug in there as well with the uh, the logs and like basically trying to set up enemies to chase you and then crush them. That's fair. Uh, there are logs on every stage. They're held up by tiny twigs, much like the whole the, the old school cartoon box traps. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you walk under the twig, it'll uh, send the log rolling, and mm-hmm. anything that is behind you in its path as it rolls down the stage or across the stage, somewhere across set the sideways. screen, it actually leaves the screen too. Yeah, it goes all the way, yeah. but they, they, they're at different angles as well, so mm-hmm. either to the side or to the bottom. Also, you can crush yourself if you're not paying attention, much like Dig Dug can kind of drop a rock on his own damn head yeah. if he's not paying attention. No, it's a great comparison because Mr. Do was what I believe Universal's answer to Dig Dug. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and in lieu of the apples that would be their equivalent to the boulders in Dig Dug, yeah, there's this log uh, trap that you can set off. And what's cool about the log is that uh, I would say it's two tiles worth in width. So you could take out two baddies at a time, unlike the apple or the boulder, where you are kind of confined to the width of your character. This is actually double that width of your character. So you can take out a couple guys, and as it's rolling off the screen, anything it hits gets flattened, like you said. And yeah. there's a good, there's a nice multiplier uh, bonus from that. And again, we're talking early arcade, golden era of the arcades. This is all about the points. This game is all about how many points can you get because there's a few ways to progress through the game, um, but the game affords the opportunity to collect as many points as possible by implementing this kicks mechanic where you're drawing a line around the screen. Now, when I first started playing, again, I went in blind, so my fear was it would be a lot like Snake, where if I went backwards or like kicks, 
It's right off the top of my head. I can't remember if you get killed or you can't go backwards. But I thought going backwards would be some sort of negative thing that happens to you. It doesn't. You can go um, backwards, but you essentially erase your line. Yeah, I was going to say. It's a very mild penalty, but it is a penalty. And if the en- that's the thing that happens in kicks. If the enemies touch the line before you complete a square or a rectangle, it breaks it, yeah. it breaks it and it kills you. That doesn't happen in this game. That You don't get killed from that, but you will have to contend with a lot of enemies on the screen right off the bat. Two types of enemies. There's a snake and something between like a clam and those little fuzzy alien dudes they used to give out at banks. The yeah. ones with the big feet and the, the antennae. Kind of looks like that. Well, technically, there's four if you count the letters, the extra guy and his oh, buddies. Yes, the, the letters, as in Mr. Do and in Ladybug. There's this sort of gambling mechanic, which I really enjoy from their early arcade games, where there's a high risk, high reward. You can collect, you stay on the stage long enough, and the, I don't, what would you call them, alphabet monsters? <laughs> or alphabet monster will come down with a letter in his tummy? Yeah. And if you uh, defeat that monster, you collect that letter, and if you spell extra, you get um, 5,000 points, I believe. Never quite managed to pull that off. You spell extra, you get 5,000 points, and you actually get an extra man. That I expected. I expected the extra life. Yes. Uh, that is a holdover from Mr. Do as well as Ladybug, and like I said, it's something that I really dig. Universal is often forgotten about when we talk about the history of arcade games because they weren't a trendsetter, but they definitely were a qual. They're not a Nichibutsu. <laughs> they're a quality <laughs> uh, publisher that would put out games that were really well thought out. And as I'll talk about in a little later, I feel like there was a lot of love put into these things. It wasn't just, clearly it's a business, but it wasn't just a cash-in title. Like, they thought about what they were putting out. And maybe the experiences didn't always hit the mark or uh, were a home run with the audience. But I feel like if you look at their library and you play it, there's very few games that are bad. Unlike Nichibutsu. <laughs> so this is a four-way joystick, one-button game. I don't think it classifies for one-button Wii Wii action because of the joystick. As we said, there's log traps. You can spell extra for an extra man. I'm afraid it's going to be hard for us to articulate everything that's happening on the screen, but I promise you we will do our best. Uh, you are dumped into a very large environment. There are dots bountiful on the screen, and you can collect them. There are no walls to speak of. There are different levels, though, on the screen that you'll have to climb up, and as you climb, your character slows down. There are two enemies that you'll normally be dealing with when the alphabet monster isn't on the screen. Uh, there's a snake clam guy, and like Mr. Do, they evolve, and like Mr. Do, when I played that for the first time, it freaked me the fuck out. I don't know why <laughs> I should have expected it, but when I saw them changing, I was like, oh, no, because this game is very fast-paced, uh, high panic. Is that, I think that's a fair way to describe it, high panic. Uh, I didn't feel that pressured, but did, like, oh, okay. if, if, if things start coming down on you, like you don't manage your enemies, things can get hairy relatively quickly, so I, I, can, I can feel you there. Yeah, I didn't quite get to it at that point, but I, I can understand where you're coming from. Uh, strategy. What I learned about the game was it was better to get rid of all but one enemy and then try to get as many points as possible. At least that was my strategy. Did you implement any type of strategy like that? 
kind of switch it up between the two. Uh, sometimes I would go for as many fruits as possible. Other times I was clearing the screen. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, working with what you got. Yeah, ways to get to the next stage is defeating all the enemies on the screen, collecting all the dots on the screen. Very rarely, if you're uh, fortunate enough, there will be a diamond that will appear on the screen. There is some sort of weird metric on what you need to do to make it appear, but you can look that up on your own. Most of the time, it will feel completely random. And this, again, is a holdover from Mr. Do. And if you collect that, you get 10,000 points, an extra man, and it clears the screen for you. I never saw the diamond. I no, didn't know. Okay. I, did, I did not see it either during my uh, playthrough. But uh, upon research, I, I read that it is there. And, again, that doesn't surprise me because I believe in Ladybug the diamond might be in there as well or there's something similar to that. I know that you could get a free credit as well as something else. Like you could spell special and extra. Again, this is something that was the mark of what Universal did. I always equated their games to have a little bit of that gambling slot machine influence to them. So we talked about the yo-yo. It's an opportunity to fight back against the enemy or bouncy ball or balloon. You can fire it with your fire button, hits the enemy, knocks him out. Another pro player tip I might want to give to you is uh, you might want to get rid of the snakes first because, like I said, there's t- the two enemies behave kind of differently, and like the ghosts in Pac-Man, one f- travels faster vertically, the other travels faster horizontally, so you can kind of shake them off your, tails, uh, your tail when you're uh, navigating the screen, but the snakes, if you're in their line of sight and they're far away from you, they will rocket towards you in a uh, fireball. In this, it's basically like a psycho crusher, like M. Bison from Street Fighter. Yeah. There, yeah. And, and the thing is, I had one actually try to double dip me. Like, he got me, got in the corner. I was still on the side uh, against the side. He tried to do it a second time. So you have to get out of the way. If you're both on the side, he's going to just turn and go for it again. Right. And now, when they evolve, the snake just turns into another type of snake where his mouth is agape. And yeah, he's he got well, kind of like a viper. Yeah, he's got bigger fangs. Yeah. Did you notice him behave any differently? Because I didn't. Not really. I think they just speed up a little in both cases because yeah. um, the watermelon clam things didn't really uh, do much except get spikes and get angrier. Yeah, they turn into blue. I thought they looked like that knight from the Kirby games. That's oh, Meta Knight? A little bit, a little bit. I'm an asshole. I couldn't think of Meta Knight's name. And the moment I said, that knight from the Kirby games, in my brain, it was, I said Meta Knight. And then you said it immediately after. Uh, yeah, Meta Knight. It, he kind of looked like Meta Knight to me. I don't think he behaved any differently other than possibly being faster. In fact, no, definitely being faster. Yeah, the, everything speeds up. I'm not sure if the blobs uh, that accompany the letter guy, like the letter guy doesn't change. If you get him to pop up after the time no. uh, switch over. But I, I'm not sure if the blobs speed up at all. I know if you let them run after you long enough, the blobs will catch you. They are faster than you like by just a hair, so you have to get rid of them. Or if you get rid of the letter guy, it will clear out his buddies. Right. Like I said, there's a lot of options in this game. There's a lot of options of what you can do to derive what type of enjoyment you like out of it. But I think if you're going to play this game, you got to be one of these point hounds or these classic arcade fans who might have missed this i definitely missed this game this is the first time i was playing it i like the fact that there's multiple options i think the game is well thought out yeah. um graphically i would equate it to mr do i don't think there's there was a huge jump 
graphically from the original Mr. Do. And if you're not familiar with Mr. Do, think Dig Dug, think Pac-Man, and other type of mainstream Namco arcade titles. The characters are 8-bit in nature, but they're realized enough to convey a charm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cartoony. And I liked Uh, it. It worked. I also enjoyed that the fact that the ultimate form of the fruit uh, is kind of a tip. Mm. Uh, it only goes up to five uh, tiers, and the ultimate form seems to be melons, which yes. are uh, the best fruit. So <laughs> winter, winter melon is amazing. It's really big in Japan. It, it's got it, they're the typical little kind of white slash green Japanese melon with a stem coming off the top. And uh, if you ever have the chance to uh, enjoy them, or even some melon flavored soda from Japan, it's delicious. That so I, have I highly had. recommend. Yeah, that and the candies I've had. Yeah, they're good. You've seen it, too, before from playing other older games. I think it's in Pac-Man. It's not the top thing you can collect in Pac-Man. No, it's in there. It is in, it's yeah. in the sequence, though. It's right. about halfway up the, the tiers, before uh, somewhere before the key in the Galaga ship. Yeah. You might have called it a grenade when you were younger, <laughs> like I did. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of looks like a grenade. So, but yeah, it's cutesy, 8-bit arcade-style graphics. Here's another piece of why I believe Universal cared about the games, and maybe it was just coincidental, but Universal always had good music in their arcade games, despite the fact that we're talking early to mid-80s, early arcade hardware. I really dug the music in this, and I, I probably really dug it because it reminded me of Tecmo's Ninja Gaiden on the Nintendo. I just got that vibe from it. It's very... 8-bit chip toony. I might even give a nod to a Capcom sort of flair to the music. I'm just gushing I, about the music. I don't know. I, the music was great. I didn't really get a Capcom feel from it, but I did love it. That was like one of the first things that really grabbed me. I would implore nice. everybody to go and listen to... Because when I was playing the game, I was like, this reminds me of something. What is this? Why do I like this music so much? There's something about just the choices that they're making with that synth beat, the synth drums, and just how they were arranging the music. What is it? I'm like, this sounds like Ninja Gaiden to me. Why does it sound like Ninja Gaiden? And I look it up on YouTube, the soundtrack to Ninja Gaiden on the Nintendo, and it is, it's not ripped from it, it's not copied from it, because I believe Ninja Gaiden for Nintendo came out many years, not many years later, but at least uh, four or five years later. Yeah, I want to say 87 on that one, maybe 86. But that music, the choices in Ninja Gaiden sound very similar to this track that's in this game, and I just dug it. Ninja Gaiden was one of the first Nintendo games I had, so that's why that music left an impression on me, and I would argue it's very good. Uh, So, you know, if you're into chip tune type music, this isn't a bad tune to be listening to while playing this game. You're not going to put your computer on mute, I don't think. Oh, God, no. Yeah, you definitely want to listen to this. So, and again, for me, because I felt that panic and that, like, uh, just fast-paced action, I felt like the music fed into that. And while we're on the subject of the game being a complete panic, let's talk about our one slugs. How far, Chris, did you get on your one credit? I think the furthest I got uh, was stage three. Wow. First playthrough or just... It was the second attempt, I believe. Okay. Oh, no, it was the first playthrough because... Hey, like both times I play, took a shot at it. It would, uh, like first credit, I just banged it out, and then after that, I was just trying to do weird stuff. Like I was trying to see what the highest fruit was, mm-hmm. see, you know, keep upgrading that. I just try another uh, playing around with mechanics, so it was kind of get myself killed here and there. Right. Well, I died on the first screen, <laughs> and maybe it was because I was playing it so late at night, and I my brain function was not uh, at its peak for a game like this. 
but I was just like, what is going on? I think I died on the first screen two or three times. Again, just trying to figure out what I was supposed to be doing, which is what led me to text you so late in the evening. But I had a feeling you'd be up. Oh, yeah, yeah. But once I started to learn what I was supposed to do or what I could do to move on to the next screen, I think I got up to the, the sixth or seventh screen pretty easily before dying. Do you remember how far I, you got? Maybe four was as far as I got. I think if I'd actually you know, sat down and really plugged away at it, I could yeah. probably blow through until I'm going to guess it starts repeating at some point. I think I could give it a pretty solid run after you know, a good warm-up. Right. And this is the type of game that... Because it's not story-driven, because it is point-oriented, because it's skill-oriented, it's something that I will go back to, definitely. I had a lot of fun with the game. It's one of those games where you could play this for a few hours, put it down, and come back a couple months from now. Now that you're aware of that game, for me, it's going to be one of my go-to classic arcade games now, now that I've played it. And I wish, wish... It was a part of the collection that I have on my arcade cocktail table, because that is the first place that I played Mr. Do. And I saw Mr. Do when I was younger in the arcade, and I looked at it, and I'm like, I don't want to play that stupid clown game. And it was at my loss, because when I played it so many years later, Mr. Do has quickly become one of my favorite all-time arcade games. And uh, I don't know if this is going to become one of my you know all-time favorites, but it's definitely going to be on my go-to list of, I want to play something quick and have a good time. This is going to be at the top of my list. If I ever see a cabinet, I'll probably, you know, give it a spin. It's fun. It's really easy to pick up, too. uh, If you even just sit and watch the attract screen, they actually show different ways of getting through the level. It's not just the same loop every time. There are at least three different attempts as you watch the attract screen loop. And uh, so you can get a good feel of what does what before you even hop in there. Yeah. Even that, that alone shows a level of craftsmanship with this company. I just want to give as much praise as possible because even I'm guilty of this. When I think of my favorite classic arcade companies, I think of Konami, I think of Namco, I think of Capcom, I think of Midway. I always forget in discussion outside of this show to bring up Universal. And like we've discussed in the past, this is one of the purest type of arcade games. I mean, genre-specific. It's going to fall into the Maze Chase category, definitely. I would call it an action game. I've seen in my research people call it a platformer. I don't agree with that, just because of my own opinion of what makes a platform game. But this is point-grab game and dodge-the-enemy game. So with that said, there's not much I would improve upon with this game, because... It's very much of its era, and I think it's a top-shelf game within its era. I don't, you know, I don't want to say, oh, it could use another music track, or I wish the snakes looked more like snakes. That's stupid. That wouldn't change anything about this game as far as its, its foundation, its mechanics, which are very solid, very strong. There's nothing I really dislike about the game, and I think we've gone at length about what we liked. But is there anything you thought could be approved upon or that you didn't like about Do Run Run? Not really. I mean, well, the clown mascot's terrifying, especially in some of his representations. <laughs> uh, like, the, like it, just the, the let's talk art- about that. Oh God, there's artwork of him, and that's already bad enough. He's like, <laughs> he's leaping over the game title, and there's fruit everywhere, and then there's just very tired Godzilla in the background. Like, why am I here? <laughs> that, that that's the arcade flyer by. I'm going to probably mess it up. It's either like Electron Coin or Electron Coin. It's Electro Coin. Which must be some sort of like European company that distributed the game. Uh, It's 
not poorly drawn, but it does eek of European style artwork. I feel terrible every time I say that, but you know what I'm saying when you listen to it. I'm not trash talking European artwork. I'm just saying it has a certain flair about it that's not American and not Eastern either. And while I did enjoy that flyer, and that was the first flyer I saw, I think we both really want to talk about the other flyers we saw. Oh uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the American one, but they have they have. There's a gentleman, I believe it's a gentleman, who is uh, dressed as Mr. Do, but he's got like a plastic <laughs> clown head on. It's fucking terrifying. Is it a man in a suit? I thought it was a doll. No, it's it's a guy because there's two shots on the front. He's just kind of sitting there, kind of well, seductively, really. He's yes. Laying there, legs crossed. Just. I think it's a guy. When I first and, saw it, I was like, what's up with sexy Mr. Do over here? Yeah, but he's, he's on like a stack of platforms. They're supposed to emulate the level. There's dots, although they couldn't even get the same color. Oh, my God. Dots. I can't tell if it's a dollar a man. You might be right. It might be a man. Yeah, the second shot. Ooh, the now the I'm getting flyer, the chills yeah. looking at it. Yeah, on the back of the flyer, he's getting up. Like, he's, <laughs> he's sitting up now. He, and, he like, heard he's us like, trash talking him. And yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's, he's coming to get you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, so it's, it's either a awful. set or some sort of, like, diorama that they set up to show a real-life physical representation of the game. And so, yeah, the clown's sitting on top of these stacks of platforms with rubber balls. To represent the dots. You can tell that they're rubber dolls out of its... Uh, rep, rubber... Rubber dolls. My goodness, that'd be even creepier. They're rubber balls from like a 25-cent machine because they have their uh, rim still on them from when they were milled. I think you were probably right it was a doll. Although I guess I was just that scared of it. That, that <laughs> but now, now, yeah, I'm looking at the hands on it now. And they look like doll yeah, hands, right? Yeah. But regardless... Hilarious. Look these flyers up. Don't even play the fucking game. Just look at these flyers. Yeah, just do run, run, flyer, and you it'll pop right up. You're, oh, you're good. Hilarious. Hilarious. Who would you recommend this game to? I already said it. I, I'm, I'm talking classic arcade fans who want something new and different. You can develop a skill while playing it. Not a real-life skill, clearly, but, like, I'm not going to say... My ability to play Miss Pac-Man really well ever got me laid, but it definitely had strangers be impressed by me in a bar. That's this type of game. Like, if you play this game long enough, you might not Billy Mitchell it, but you will be better than the last time you played. So, I don't know, if you like really like fruit salad, that, that's an option as well. <laughs> Right. It's a great snapshot. It's a little ahead of its time, really, but yeah, it's a great snapshot of its time. And um, yeah. if you're interested in like the uh, the ideas behind game development and stuff, it's interesting look to see like what they were working with and how they uh, managed to get what three, four different mechanics uh, within yeah. the limitations of the time. Yeah, nothing feels tacked on. Like it all feels yeah. intentional, and each mechanic that is in the game, and I think you're right. I think there's three are important to the gameplay. Yeah, even the subtle stuff, like, I noticed, if you throw the ball, if you are on the bottom level, it'll bounce off the bank of the next tier, mm. but if you're on the top level, the only thing it'll bounce off of is the walls around the stage, so, like, they even took that into account, like, what level you're on when you're uh, firing stuff, this, which I thought was pretty neat. This is why I like doing the show with you, because you just reminded me of something that I forgot to mention, pro player tip, each time that ball bounces... When it hits the enemy, it adds 500 points upon the point bonus for destroying the enemy, up to 3,000. 
So if you shoot the ball and get out of its way, horizontally it will bounce back and forth and start racking up points. And then when it does finally hit an enemy, you'll get a nice point bonus from that. Thank you very much, Chris, for reminding me of that. That's actually in one of the uh, attract mode reels. Uh, Does it tell you that? It doesn't show you the points, but it does show you a neat trick where it's he's basically down at the bottom on the first stage where it's really narrow. Mm-hmm. He throws it at the sidewall and backs up and just going bip, 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 and like three enemies walk into it. Oh, nice. Uh, so I guess it does show the points, but it's not like directly about it. I just thought it was neat that he showed you that you can bounce it between things and wait for it to uh, wreck face. Right. All right. So uh, movie taglines. This is a part of the show where we kind of do like a one sentence review of what we just discussed over the span of anywhere from 25 to 45 minutes. However, it's under the guise of a movie tagline. So, like, if you're in the movie theater and you were to see a poster for Do Run Run because it was a film that came out in the 80s instead of an arcade game, what would be the tagline to that movie, Chris? My tagline for uh, Do Run Run would be Do Run Run. They all bounce down here. (laughs) I like it. Okay. And my movie tagline would be, this will be the best log you push out since this morning. That's a poop joke, Chris. Yeah, uh, the poop is good. Okay. Everybody poops. It's okay. And now here's T.T. Schmookins with next week's We Talk Games, Video Power Magazine's Arcade Weekly's Arcade Game Audio Clue. Hello, I am Titty Scrookins. Here is next week's We Talk Games, Video Power Magazine, Arcade Weekly, Arcade Game Audio Clue. Good luck, dudes, dudes. Week 3 of We Talk Games, 3rd Annual. Pack I should really record this too because my voice is blown out. Let me remind everybody to please review our show on whatever service you downloaded from Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Pornhub, wherever you get our show. Please leave stars if that's an option. Leave a review. You can also tell a friend. That's huge. And listen. Thank you very much if you're listening to the program right now. We truly appreciate your listenership. And if you aren't listening to the show right now, a big fuck you. Uh, let me remind everybody to follow us on Twitter at WeTalkGames and also on Facebook, WTG Podcast. Hey, Chris, before we go, yeah? we talked the game. But why don't you remind everybody where they can watch you play the game? Well, every week, uh, whether or not I'm on the show, you can check out YouTube.com slash Negabun for it's not going to insert itself. We're talking about coins. Thank you very much. You perverts. Every week I play the game. Sometimes it's for a while. Sometimes it's not for as much of a while. But I I spent a a decent amount of time with this one. Uh, You get the feel for the game. If it's something you can beat, I try to beat it, usually. Yeah. it's usually a first uh, experience commentary, so it's just off the cuff, me kind of rambling while I uh, pound through whatever. Is it fair to say, like, if I watch the video, I'm watching you play it for maybe the uh, first time, second time, prior to us recording. So, like, you're getting almost a uh, taste of what it was like in the moment. What I'm trying to get at is it's a great companion video to this episode. Yeah. Or and, any episode. Uh, 
Yeah, and sometimes they're longer, sometimes they're shorter. Right. Uh, depends on the game, really. But yeah, it's it's always first impressions. Or if, if it's a game I've played before, it's usually been at least half a decade since I last checked it out. At least that's how things have gone so far. Uh, also, there's another playlist. Um, we used to call it Arcade Meekly. Yes. So you can check out some of last year's stuff. If you're going through the archives, you can check out the last couple of months of last year. I got through, yeah, like, uh, I think I did Schmuptember. Maybe not. I know, I know I was definitely in for Holiday Haymakers yes. in November before that. So. Right. November buffer. Yes, November buffer. It was all over November buffer, and I know I got the second half of October because I definitely recall playing Satan's Hollow. But yeah, right. dig either of those up. It's weekly, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I usually try to throw them up on the same day. And if you follow, we talk games on Facebook. I also posted there. Yes. Uh, if you're not on Twitter, which usually retweets it. Like, comment, and subscribe for Chris Nico Bun. I am Kyle Von Kubik. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk at you again next week. Rock, 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 rock. Yeah.
There's a, a, a thing, it's yellow Oh no, it's Miss Pac-Man Shows that we're gonna do later. Next, can it be going? You know he goes with the pack. He's in my mind. I pack it time. I love to clock my wrong. I'm gonna try my best to do. I'm the pack man. Oh, 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 I do the packy. Look at it, I put my, I put my arms on my hips. I look like Mick Jagger doing his exercises. What happened? Uh, that's the best I could do, Kyle.